So the title of the talk, I don't know if we got this flipped around, but it was it Spontaneity in, in Disguise, is that it? So it probably should be, would read better if we called it um, Impulse in Disguise. So sometimes our impulses get disguised as spontaneity or excused as well. I'm just being spontaneous. So what I'd like to do with this talk uh, is, talk to, uh, is talk about how maybe to show the difference between those situations, those words and what those words indicate. Spontaneity is about coming out of the present moment in a creative way without a creator, in a creative way, you know, bringing things, orchestrating, balancing, synthesizing, separating in a, a creative way. And what do I mean by creative? Any kind of individual movement that serves the whole. If the individual movement just serves the movement, uh, this is um, wrong. Uh, it's not that it wouldn't somehow produce some kind of uh, uh, beauty or uh, organization or balance or something. Sure, it could, but uh, it would miss its full potential. So the idea is to uh, come from uh, some kind of space or a kind of space that doesn't have a strong agenda other than uh, participation. So when you do that, then uh, the ego mind feels kind of left out. So it might have to kind of say, well, I'm just going to kind of bring up the rear here to make sure you don't screw up and kind of check in and make sure that things are balanced. Uh, anyone who is uh, in the arts, music, drama, fine art, anything where, where there's an emphasis on making up stuff, writers included, poets, uh, they all, we all, we're all making, making up something, are, are involved in that idea of what is, what is uh, uh, impulse, what is impulsive coming out of some kind of hope and fear possibly. Hope is just as difficult as fear. So when someone sometimes says, well, what gives you hope? My favorite news people. Um, I think it's a, it's a misunderstanding of how the mind works. Uh, the idea that we need to be hopeful about things. You do not need to be hopeful about anything. Being hopeful is kind of uh, energy that's put in a particular area that's based on getting away from fear. And I would say, don't get away from anything. Don't get to anything, and don't ignore anything. There's your passion, aggression, ignorance, the triplicity that works as uh, the three poisons. So let's go into that way that that operates, using, let's use the model, lots of models, but we could use uh, the model of the five skandhas or the five heaps or the five aggregates, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciously put. Form, feeling, perception. Perce perception is sometimes referred to as perception impulse because when there's form, then there's some kind of a basis for the confusion. And then there's a feeling about anything that's happening. We, we immediately uh, respond to some kind of a feeling, positive, negative, or neutral. And then, 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 then there's some kind of a perception of otherness it might be just the otherness in our mind, that, that thought I'm having, which is other than your, than the, your uh, apparent, I stress the apparent identity of who's having the feeling, rather than actually seeing it as it, as it is, if you were to make a statement, which you wouldn't, but if you were, you'd, I am this feeling, uh, it's I'm not having this feeling that I need to get rid of. So perception impulse is the third skanda. Uh, we perceive something, and we either uh, impulsively push on it, we impulsively grasp at it, or we impulsively shut it off or disregard it. Three poisons again. This is before we even get to the naming part. Then the naming, or the intellect, or the conceptualization of it seals, the, seals it down so you can no longer investigate it because you've got the, the iron lid of a concept or an idea or an opinion. This is why opinions are um, not particularly helpful if we are all trying to communicate 
cooperate, collaborate, get along, work together to to build a uh, to uh, build a, a, a community that that functions to uh, help everyone and doesn't uh, isn't taken over by some ego ego because it, people like their as they say ego stroked they will if somebody is managing to do great things with a really big fat ego we hear that we think this works being self centered and so me 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 and it's all for me and I got to just do what I think and you know we all know we all can point to many examples of that going from our own family situation probably maybe it's that wonderful uncle you'd like to not come to visit or maybe it's bigger things like the whole structure of the uh, world society government and so on so form feeling perception concept consciousness so form feeling perception impulse and i'm using the impulse to uh, say that that would be what would be operating uh, out of that passion aggression ignorance acceptance rejection and shutting down rather than spontaneity which would operate just out of the openness of space your body may be in the form may be involved or it may be the other forms you're working with it may be your form it may be gravity it may be the way your sleeves feel when you move your arms nothing would be left out because there is the passion aggression and ignorance that is happening in that third skanda is not kicking up a lot of dust so you can actually see yes Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the 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 problem, shall we say it this way, the, is the link between them. It happens uh, lightning fast. It's just form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. And Trungpa Rinpoche would characterize the nature of the fifth skanda as like uh, the five sense fields and all the whole apparatus, the whole miasma of passion, aggression, and ignorance, all coming back to the form like a bunch of needles. He said one needle, I say five needles each one of the sense fields coming back to this original basis of the, I'm the one who feels this. I'm sure you've all noticed that if you have any kind of feeling about anything, maybe you don't say it, but you, you think, I'm having this. I am depressed. I, I am so elated. I am so happy. I, 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 me, me, me. This is the five skandhas talking. It's not that you can't say that. Using the personal pronoun, me or I, is fine. It's just when it erupts out of hope and fear, passion, aggression. So this is why I say over and over again that is always about awareness. Uh, awareness first, not what arises in it. Uh, even the awareness of intense aggression coming up in you as you sit or as you work in the garden where you're just really irritated with somebody or something or some situation. Please, I'll ask you politely, please do not go to war with war. Don't try to push on the negative feelings. Do not try to enhance them by explaining them or blaming someone, including yourself. Do nothing with it. Just flood that, if you want to use a relative expression, with awareness. Uh, don't, don't necessarily let that aggression uh, run around in circles by itself. Give it a lot of room. This doesn't mean that you double up your fist. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying bring awareness into, the, in, into that uh, space that's al- already around the, the aggression. Don't fight with it. Don't add to it. Don't explain it. And, and don't uh, come out from behind the, the blinds and point to somebody. Or don't come out behind the other one and point to yourself. Both of them are equally partial. Misunderstand. So this one. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I see the most of both the impulse to express or not express. Very accurate, yes. Meaningful at all and like that observing it needs to be expressed itself. Pretty close. Don't do anything with it. You don't need to be accurate. Accurate is, is a, a fourth conduct. You've already left that situation. You're already developing your strategy. And it happens. Bing. It just happens. And so, yes, just just stay with the original, the raw 
rugged negativity that first arose, regardless of what triggered it. The trigger is not so important as there it is. And if you go to the trigger, then you go to blaming. Either the trigger in yourself or the trigger that's apparently outside, you start blaming. And it gives us a little bit of a relief. At least we know who caused it. And then we want to, what, kill them, remove them, scold them, point it out that they can't do that to us. And they may be involved in their own, probably are, involved in their own discursive whirlwind that they've been dealing with since they were born. And they you, they, you happen to be in their milieu uh, or their uh, storage shed. And and just just them acting will trigger things that have been on, I don't want to use the word, word resolved, but unnoticed or have been suppressed in you. Sometimes we, our own aggression is so difficult that we just find ways of just hiding out from it. We, we all know somebody, maybe it's the one in the mirror, that has a lot of aggression, but is always smiling and always acting and always putting on like they're, they're just trying to get along with everybody and they just want to be helpful and they just want to, it's all about everyone else, and I'm donate. I dedicate so much time to helping others. When under the, underneath there is a dragon spinning around, and it wants out. So every every now and then, causes and conditions allow an opening where that comes out, and then that person wants to push it down and suppress it, and they do it. With, I mean, even our whole society is geared to controlling and suppressing things. Well, maybe this will work. We'll give you this drug or this drug. And I'm not against drugs. I like drugs. I take acid every day. Where's my antacid? That's fine. So, so we, you know, we're not getting rid of anything. But let's be more aware of what it's actually doing. So then, if you were to then if you were to look at the situation, you might say, well, you know, I'm going to go without this for a while and just work with this on my own, with your doctor's permission, of course. You might have to look around to find a doctor to let you do that. Not trying to take the place of doctors, of course. But this is about awareness. This is what I've been studying for a long time, and what I teach. And it is so important. And, you know, uh, I know it looks like there's somebody sitting here, an old man with gesturing and talking away. But from the point of view of, of awareness, they're, they're at, this awareness that's showing up here that, that is uh, including everyone I see, uh, there, there's no one including that. There's no, it doesn't mean there's just some kind of amazing space of, you know, magical reality without a self. That's, uh, that would be ridiculous. Of course there's a self. It's just not real. You can find that out. Uh, awakening enlightenment is not some magical state of being where you're no longer bothered by anything. Clear that up right away. It may be more intense. You may be more confused. Awakening may be the worst thing that ever happened to you. There was a teacher, Yuji uh, Krishnamurti, that referred to his enlightenment as the great calamity. That's because his world fell apart that he thought was true. And, from, and he was a grouchy old man from then on. Yes. You know, when you're a drummer, you know, when you drum, is there anybody doing that? Yes or no? Say yes if you want to, and I'll argue with you. You just drum tonight. You just, you're, you're drumming in a different situation than music, but it's a kind of, you're drumming when you, when you do the sutras. So is there someone doing that? But it's not a credential. It's not something you can claim. I, I don't wander around thinking how selfless I am. It might be just the opposite. I might be constantly have my senses buried in some kind of self, uh, self-centeredness, self self-consciousness. It's just not real. We should ask questions about that. Yes. How do you define real? So uh, the appearance is uh, as being something solid that you should think is, the emotion is, uh, there's a negative feeling that is happening, say, for instance. And you, you know the negative feeling is, is just emotion. It's, it doesn't have any kind of, uh, de- you can't take a hold of it. You can't. You can't do anything with it. 
not real. Just like, hmm? You're not saying that it's not necessarily, it's not there. I didn't say it wasn't there. I said it's not real. The, the way that they teach this, uh, not only, the way that they teach this, not only, uh, um, let's put it this way. The way this is taught is to emphasize the non-existence of it by teaching emptiness. But yet it's not an emptiness of absence. It's, a, it's more like an emptiness that is present because what it is that's present is, uh, you writing down what I say? What did I just say? You said uh, not real doesn't mean uh, not emptiness of X. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yes. My first few successes. Yeah. No, it was a song. It's the other way around. Uh, because it would, it would show up more like you're extremely aware of what you're doing and it's without a self that you're doing. So therefore, it's a very, very deliberate. But it's so deliberate that there there's no one behind it. So therefore... You, it's like the, the expression, uh, sometimes I um, kind of think of a way to say this. It's like someone who is creating something notices that, let's say, if it were a drawing or a painting or a piece of poetry or artwork or something, you have, may have a favorite passage in there. And then, but you know that in order to, for, the, for the whole to be complete and be balanced, to use a fancy word, some of these passages have to go. They're fine by themselves. They're you know they're good, but but they 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 don't. You have to destroy them, and so that's when you're when you're uh, tapping in something and not thinking about it. You're just running off uh, your own uh, um, nervousness. But but at, to actually create something would mean you would be completely immersed in. It. So there so and so you wouldn't do that randomly. You would you would do it as a as a specific thing. And it's also it can happen with your life, especially with people who are meditators, because you're not just working with a piece of, uh, with a, a lines of prose or with a piece of artwork or a particular riff on a, a piece of music. You're, you're, it's your life you're working with. So everything you do, every, every act, uh, no matter how wonderful or disgusting, is part of this whole tapestry. Use that fancy word uh, uh, of your life. From the time you arrive, uh, you started up in this physical form until the time that comes to an end. So you could say there's lots of things moving, lots of moving parts, and and if you're in moving, doing something in some way, like say maybe a director uh, doing blocking on a stage for a play or something, you know, like with moving things around, and then the actors, they, then they're doing their own kind of movement in how they're going to express themselves. So there's all kinds of movement happening, and so you would you would do that to to, you would have an understanding, a perception of the whole. It might not be complete, but you would you would know uh, it's a kind of uh, uh, something arising in awareness without any uh, without any particular uh, agenda of living up to a certain goal, but other than something is harmonious. And if you notice, if you follow the arts, you'll notice that every time we come to a certain stage, like modernism, then we have postmodernism, and then we I mean, it just goes on because artists at creating things don't necessarily want to do what was done 20 years ago or 10 years ago. They want to do something different. So they find a way to, to take completely unusual, irregular um, forms and, and, and to change it around or stretch it in such a way that, it, that it's creative, but in a completely new and sometimes even shocking way. You read about the Dadaists or the Surrealists around the early part of the last century. It was quite uh, shocking. And, and even today, if you go into galleries, uh, uh, or if you look at uh, certain kinds of music, is unusual, strange. But if it if it survives, if it has any kind of life to it at all, it's because there's uh, even though there might be a lot of apparent chaos on the surface, there's some kind of underlying 
um, harmony or unity or something is happening there that that is uh, that magnetizes. Not to get off too much into art here, but it has to do with spontaneity. Just like a lot of people, some people like hip hop, some people like rap, some people like you know that what was um, heavy heavy metal they called it years ago. I don't know what they call it now. Probably still metal. Is it metal? Yeah. And they just it's a pounding, driving, chaotic thing to to, to describe it. But if you if you listen to it, there's an underlying um, uh, web that's happening there. It just happens to be really intense, so it might be a little hard in the eardrums. But but there's a there's an underlying uh, power there that that magnetizes people, especially people who have who are, can't tune into what their mother and dad were doing. You mean when it's self-centered and egotistical? That's what it is. It's just it's just chaos. And it, and it may work for a while because it's serving something, but it's serving the self-centeredness. This is why when somebody who, whose karma, they come into the world with uh, a kind of, a, uh, what do they call them, silver boots? Silver spoons. I'm fasting today, so I try not to think about eating utensils. So you come into the world and, and you're given, you notice that someone born, born right now in Yemen, not that you don't call that particularly good karma. Uh, someone born in... Uh, to very wealthy parents uh, in Upper New York State, probably doing pretty good. And someone uh, who was born in, into wealth or their family or someone somehow supported, and then also born with a, uh, a kind of, uh, because uh, karma is not uh, picky. It doesn't, it doesn't separate out. So it's just opening and opening and opening and going all different kinds of directions. You can't find a solid separate thing anywhere. So that causes and conditions that are happening, your, your very movement across the room, your, your gesture to help someone, even if you don't do it, even if you just think about it, uh, this, is, this is a movement towards, you could say it in a relative way, towards a kind of wholeness that is, that is underlying everything. And so as far as some people being evil and some people being good, we're not saying there aren't things that we want to call that, but fundamentally causes and conditions don't, don't show up that way. Everything is dependently arisen, including the apparent evil. Good question. Uh, Drew down in Florida asks, um, rather than a violation of the law of karma, as it may seem, might one say that spontaneity is more like a rain shower, less like the spray from a garden hose? I think that's too fancy. I follow what you're saying, but I think it's, it's in the, in re, when I say it's too fancy, I'm saying it, it takes away from the, the raw, rugged, and, and smelly part of what I'm trying to say. You, you may have to go in and into your into the situation and be completely distressed and upset by it and that may be spontaneity so I, I don't I'm not trying to do away with your your uh, prose uh, but I'm, I'm just saying that what I'm trying to say you can say that of course that's not correcting you uh, drew but I'm just saying what I'm trying to say is uh, stinks a little bit it's found how can you pull back some of the energy that comes after that that's judging expressions appropriate of come up I think it's uh, if something has happened like that, uh, if, I'm get, if I'm understanding what you're asking about, at least just, just allow yourself to have whatever feelings are coming up are appropriate. So rather than try to stop something because it's creating negative feelings, I'd say give it more room than that. Give it a lot more room than that because uh, if, you, if you, you brought up all heard of the word compassion, if you want to find out what that is, that, that, would be, that would be the way to do it. You can't do it by narrowing it down and try to understand it with your intellect. I'm not accusing you of it. I'm just saying that closing down on it, trying to find it, trying to get it, it might be better to back away from it. Go ahead. Face the wall. 
because the very, very, uh, very uh, perception impulse of shutting down and claustrophobia uh, will be ex experienced facing the wall. You know this. Everyone who's done any meditation at all knows that if you sit down, hold still, the world starts to shut down. Things start to shut down. It can get very, very difficult doing that. I'm not saying that there aren't times when you feel really good facing a wall and feel, oh, this is great. I'm so glad I don't have to do anything else but just sit here. We've all had that feeling. We've meditated much at all. More. More there. I'm only as smart as you are. What do you mean by that? <laughs> not very. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gee. I thought I was helping you out. <laughs> Go ahead. We have a new listener from Cleveland. A question on form. Uh, his name is Kyle. He says, the, con the context is that I had a spinal fusion to prevent scoliosis from worsening at age 16, and I'm 26 now. I have chronic pain that can at times limit my ability to sit without pain, which can make meditation tough. Laying down is my fallback, but is that okay? Sitting helps me be more aware of my posture and such. Thank you. So I would say, as I say to people quite often is you know it's your body it's your body mind complex then do and you with the intention that you want to train your mind that that seems to be enough you're not going to let yourself off the hook so i would say uh maybe start out by sitting uh and sit for very short periods of time extremely still use this mudra sit very symmetrical uh have somebody help you if you're not sure what your back is doing uh, if you do have some scoliosis that makes it difficult then Sit, try to find a way and, and maybe have somebody help you a little bit by looking at you, give you a little bit of feedback on that. Uh, it's important, I think, to sit very straight. But on the other hand, not artificial. I'm not saying that you need to look weird, look like a, a fence post. And then do that. And then if, uh, if you really, if you sit like this for a while and you're, you start to have pain, then uh, go uh, two seconds into the pain and then change. You don't, you don't, this, this is not uh, ancient Japan. We do not need to torture people to help them awaken. This stick is just for show. I, I probably haven't hit more than four or five people. <laughs> and the other thing I would say, Kyle, is is when you do move, then really move to really, really make sure that it helps you to move. Don't just do it uh, just a token thing. Really let it all go. And everybody stand up, walk around, go look out the window, get a glass of water, come back, and then sit down for three more minutes, very still. And then sit back down and then do the same thing again. But when you're sitting, still sit very still. And then if you need to, lay down. The laying down thing is, that's what we do when we sleep. Next thing you know, you'll be closing your eyes uh, and falling asleep. Not wrong. And you know, I, the other thing too is I think everyone is so different this way. Some people actually can lay down. Uh, I have one student who, because of arthritis and so on, meditates most of the time laying down. But he's also someone who's been meditating for 20, 30 years. So a little bit, hold very, very still for short periods of time, and then pay attention to your body. Don't put arbitrary rules. Uh, in, this, uh, in this monastery, based on my experience of doing this for a long, long time and, and living under someone else's direction about what my body should be doing, everyone's body is so different. Some people can sit like this for an hour without much happening, and then there are other people who need to move right away because of the way their, their body is, not, not to mention their mind. So uh, pay attention to your body. Don't, don't push any kind of physical. This goes for anyone. Don't push anything. Hold as still as you can. And then if you, if you can continue to hold still without being too rough, continue. But don't necessarily listen to the uh, 
If you want to go back to Japan and go do that, you go to AAG, you'll get a good taste of what I'm talking. It would be really difficult to function. That's only for 18-year-old Japanese fellows and girls. Did I miss something? And he asked about Okay. And then, uh, yes? The Junchu's question talking about something coming up in the judgment of it. Is yeah. there any space between an emotion and the judgment? Of it? Occasionally. There may be. There may not be. There's space around the original situation. And then if there's a response to it, then... There's probably some kind of a gap there. Uh, is that what you were asking about? Why did you want to know that? Nosy? Do you know? I mean, I'm serious. Do you know? Why is that? Why are you interested in that part of it? Tell you. It seems to see when emotion comes up, but it feels like, feel like the judgment is different. It's different until it's not separate. Then it's the same thing. Sit a lot. Until I get him to sit a lot. Never going to sit. I've been trying to get him to sit for you. <laughs> I'm sure you sit enough. We have quite a bit of time. Michelle. What's your happiness with being in the presence of the tapping? Someone else who's tapping? Yeah. Tom Lenankara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I had a little bit of, I had to watch him do it for a while before I understood what was, and what when, and also what I should do about it. And so that's something you could do uh, if you have, you're around somebody who's doing a lot of that uh, thumping and it's their way of getting out of some kind of difficulty. Some mm -hmm. may be the tedium of things. If they hold very still, things get very tedious or irritating. So they can do that to kind of just distract themselves. It's a distraction. It's an active form of ignoring, just like uh, going to the bar is an active form of ignoring. It's highly active. doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Uh, uh, in fact, in fiction, I say do whatever you want to do. There isn't any right and wrong. That's all arbitrary. But just be aware of everything you're doing as much as you can be as aware as you can of everything that's happening anytime you move anytime you uh, yeah quite an interesting you you won't be bored for long does that make sense yes what is teaching without correcting uh well there may be some some correcting there may be some but i think less is better in that area especially if we're talking about adults not talking about a child so then it would be somewhat by example i think a little bit but also sharing your information or insight with, with people's permission. I'm not sure if I'm, uh, I don't know exactly what you're asking me. What are you asking? The chase on tapping, kind of yeah. jumping off point. Was that a correction? Okay. Uh, if it had been a correction, I would have uh, said that to him as soon as I saw him do it. So but what I, was that? Huh? What was that if it's not a correction? Uh, go ahead. It's a practice that you gave me around yeah. and, and, and I would do this, it would be different with everyone. I don't have a set of things I teach anybody. I can barely remember what to do myself. I have to come in here to remember what this is even about. But that's from being absent-minded more than that. Yeah, you could say something. I think, I can't remember what, what exactly what I said to you, but it was very specific to, to Chazon and his energy and how I saw him and my, my wish to help him without getting him so upset that he left, which could have happened. Had I done that too early, I don't think I did it right away, but I, I don't recall. Maybe you would. You could, I don't remember when it was, but it was just the idea of making a point to do that like, intention. That's Back what, as much as do whatever you're done, stop. So it's not, yeah, it was more like, uh, you don't have to stop doing that. Just be aware that you're doing it. Just bring some awareness to it. Now, I do I do, do recall saying that. But someone else might do that. And it would be, just recently I had someone come in and, and sit down in front of me who was very, very still, other than their hands were kind of ringing like this, and I watched it for a while, and I listened to them talk for a while. I listened to the way in which they were receptive. Uh, I'm not, not analyzing anything, I just was endeavoring to do what I 
recommend others do. Just meet people where they're at. Don't try to fix anybody, but meet them where they're at, and they'll almost show you or tell you what you have permission to say to them. And if they if you, if, they, if you don't have permission and you step into someone's territory uh, without being really clear about who you're talking to, they will shut down on you. You might never get a word in edgewise again because they'll throw up a protection against it. That person just wants to hurt me or criticize me. Why don't they? I mean, they shouldn't be telling me what to do. Yes. You look at something without before something. You might have to look at that part of your your little protocols that keep coming up that things you could do or don't, and just watch them come and go. They're, they're men out of steam, especially if you don't do anything about them. That situation with that person, uh, with someone else I met, might, I might never say anything. Some people have nervous tics that I never say anything about. Do you know anybody? <laughs> so I, But I look at it for a while, and then I, I don't know, I don't really think about it so much, but I might, I might say, don't do that. You know, sometimes if somebody is talking to me, and every time they make a statement, they say, right, 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 right. My favorite color is blue, right? My favorite direction is left, right? <laughs> it's irritating. You finally have to say, don't say right. Just stop saying it. So anyway, I did say something to this person about that, and they stopped. They're a little embarrassed, but not bad. Not, not particularly just, don't do that. Just put your hands here for a while. And then after, I don't know, a few minutes, three or four minutes, I said, okay, now you can start doing that again. He says, no, I'm not going <laughs> But, you know, it's a... A little bit of a sense of humor. He thought it was uh, humorous also just to to help people. I mean, I have these too. I say things that are, you know, I don't want anybody pointing them out. (laughs) (laughs) Although they do quite often. Yes, they do. Can seeing the impulse change the nature of it? I I think it changes because by seeing that and including that and being aware of that and not accepting it, rejecting it, or denying it, uh, that it's it's almost like uh, uh, because you've not done anything with it, it, the the situation itself recognizes to say it a not exactly. I don't know how else to say it recognizes it's not separate from anything, and therefore it's it's totally in harmony with everything, without have to be be any different than it is. So you know, it happened. There, I know there's all these separate bodies, but what's actually here is not separate. And I'm so far as I can, I try to be a spokesman for that. But I'm not completely, it isn't like I have this wonderful clear slate. Or, no, I don't. I couldn't teach if I was clear. I, I only The only way I can teach is I know how confused I am. Well, if you find out how confused you are, you can teach too. That's why I say don't teach unless you have to. Michelle, which one? The, your response question. What was it? <laughs> it was some, something about mm-hmm. all of those little imperfections being in harmony with everything. Okay. Is that what uh, you said? Pretty it's, close? It's kind of... Yeah. Under my understanding. Okay, good. Let's go with it. Um, so, could self-destructive behavior be in harmony with? Well, self-destructive behavior is a is a an observation and a conclusion about somebody else, or it's a conclusion about yourself, and that's what's self-destructive. Is you're coming to conclusions about yourself or conclusions about others. This is, our society does it constantly. So, but I'm not here to interfere with anybody's uh, medications. Or anybody's, you could say, the the meds, the, the whole the whole medical situation is self-destructive because it does not treat people with respect. It doesn't respect someone's confusion and their clarity. You have to have to respect all of that. So self-destructive behavior uh, is a it's kind of a, a modality that is used to control people. Well, that's just self-destructive behavior you've got going on there. You need to stop jumping out of damned airplanes. 
<laughs> Follow me. We have a paratrooper. <laughs> kind of. Maybe maybe a structure. Maybe I didn't really ask the question. Okay. Please please continue. Um, I guess noticing a repetitive behavior that we might be that's harmful to us is that still in harmony? If if I'm following it, I think. And so if if there's a lot of awareness around that situation then it might not serve, it might not be a good press for your ego to hear or for anyone to hear about, but do as little as possible, be as aware as, aware of as much as possible. And don't go into, don't put, drop anything into gear until you really are clear on what it, what it is. And then if you do that, then, then the whole uh, movement uh, takes on its own takes on a, a life of its own. You just find yourself not doing things that, uh, not eating things that are bad for you, or uh, you know, things just occur. I'm not. There's no guarantee of anything, because the causes and conditions that arise of any one of these people, including this person, are are just untraceable. They're so. I mean, just how, what got you in this building to listen to such a, uh, a dithyram that's going on here? Just what, what? What? How did you get here? If you look, you take one thing out, and you never would show up here. The causes and conditions are just astonishing. It's so rare to even run into this kind of a teaching. Not because I'm so great, it's because I'm nobody. And, and I mean that literally. You know, you don't, they don't know who I am next door. They don't know who I am in Washington. They don't know who, who I am in anywhere. You follow me? So we all have it in common, right? <laughs> so therefore, I, I, because I spent some time looking at this and studying this, and I had a couple of really great teachers, actually I had several, and I'm able to talk about this in such a way that it magnetizes that part of your uh, mind, uh, awareness, consciousness that uh, that says, this looks like this might be important to take a look at this. I should not leave yet. I'll, I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt. And every time you sit in front of the wall, you're, get, you're actually acknowledging your own Buddha nature, even though we don't know what that is. No one can describe it. Those, have, those Some people have tried. So this self-destructive part you could label it that way, but if you try to stop being self-destructive based on relative truth, on causes and conditions, there isn't a, it's not that, you know, the, this consciousness, this body-mind complex we call a human being, is not a 58 Chevy, you know. It's not, it, do, it doesn't just respond to, uh, to tools and devices and protocols and so on. It's, it's way beyond. That's why we need a spiritual path rather than just a mundane path. They have things in common, but they're needed a different uh, approach. Yes. A question from Kozan up in Traverse City. Yes. She asks, will you describe again spontaneity in disguise? Um, what, I, what I really meant to say was uh, impulse disguised as spontaneity. I kind of got that twisted around. I'm sure that you could, you could talk about it both directions, but I think it's the idea we have. We do uh, impulsive uh, things that are based on hope and fear and on I've got to do this or I've not got to do this. Uh, or I shouldn't be doing that, or I should be doing this, or I just felt like doing it. Uh, just a, a gut feeling. And I would say, stay out of your damn gut, darn gut. And and, and this is the, the place. This is completely open and spacious and doesn't miss much. But it doesn't actually get much either. It's not It's not a relative kind of getting. It's This is not separate from anything. I'm not talking about the, the, the blood pumping organ. I'm talking about this. We call it the heart chakra. You could call it... Um, uh, bag of grapes. Um, a question from Gary up in Traverse City. Mm -hmm. uh, he asks, do most people start with an intellectual understanding of awakening before they are able to see deeper as they practice? 1,500 of them do that. The rest of them 
up for grabs. So what, what, how would you characterize that? Can you paraphrase his question? Do most people... Start with an intellectual understanding of awakening before they're able to see deeper and practice. I think it happens both ways. Some people spontaneously just know what this is and then keep fighting with their mind for 20 or 30 years until they awaken. Other people know what this is intellectually, and if they don't run into a a true teacher, it doesn't have to be this lineage, it doesn't have to be Buddhism. They don't run into a true teacher. They'll continue to think about everything and add on and subtract including whole lineages are doing this. Uh, whole lineages, Buddhism, and, uh, are trying to think that there's something else that they need to get. So that's why your your practice, you know, in the case of Gary, Gary, your practice is just your practice. It's not better than someone else's, not worse. Uh, it's not, doesn't have to have any kind of basis in intellectuality or uh, intuition. Just practice, there's a little bit of each. There's some intellect, there's some intuition, and, and with everyone, it seems to be, different levels of each, just like some people can dance. Some people, no matter how much training, couldn't, can't dance. I'm one of those people. I've been studying dance for 40 years now. I can't dance. <laughs> Matt Stefanino would help. I really like Matt Stefanino. That doesn't mean he's going to help me or he's going to like me. He's a hip-hop dance. So uh, so I think it's, I understand your question, Gary, but I would say you, you, there, you don't. Ha- there's really no advantage either direction. Uh, if you want an advantage, then then... Some kind of sense of commitment, a sense of, there's all kinds of words for this, a sense of commitment, a sense of, uh, mine was more stubbornness than anything. And then I realized that that stubbornness, I got that stubbornness from my teacher because I had uh, a lot of, a lot of devotion in that direction that I was embarrassed about because I thought that I might be worshiping a guru or something. So everyone's different. Everyone comes to the situation with a different, uh, different kind of energy and chemistry. And it's a, as I've said, you know, it's just, few people listening to this, if this makes sense to you, then practice. Train your mind. Spend a lot of hours. Just like I was talking to uh, Tegetz in uh, Norway. I think he's in Norway, isn't he? Yeah, in Norway. Town of 10,000, I think. Yeah, but he might as well be right here. There's thousands and thousands. I talk to him. We study. He, he calls into book study on Zoom. And so um, he's dealing with his causes and conditions. We're all dealing with ours. We're just doing the best to try to see what is fundamentally true of ourselves. Because it's not something you can... Nothing to believe in. There's not something you can hand someone. Uh, but here, you don't. You don't have to do anything. Just believe in this. It just doesn't work in this particular path. This is a, a transcendental do-it-yourself project. Final question from anyone. You mentioned that spontaneity comes from a place that doesn't smell too good and could it might stink. Mm-hmm. Is that place a sense of hopelessness? I think hopelessness is. Uh, you know, if you. If you understand what that's pointing to, then that's not such a bad thing because it means that you're not really looking for anything else. You know, the ego tends to register that as, I'm not going to get anywhere. This is, I might as well give up. I would say, oh, good idea. Nothing's going to happen. You're still going to get up in the morning and try to find your toothbrush. You know, you're still going to be operating. And the hopelessness, uh, actually, uh, you know, the whole hope and fear thing is a very interesting thing for anyone to, to look at, contemplate. The feeling of hopelessness, if you're not on the path, this can be de- devastating because then you try to cover it up with, with hope or with something or, you know, something to uplift you when uh, who you are doesn't need uplifting. It's already, see who you are, you see you're already raised up in, in the sense of a relative way of talking about it. Actually, you didn't go anywhere. So hopelessness is a, a very negative term for something that is that is that that covers up uh, 
something really powerful you could look into. Don't get rid of hopelessness and cover it up with anything. If you do nothing with it, 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 nothing lasts. So even that will go away. You probably wonder what happened to it. I didn't even bother to get rid of it, and it just went away. Well, now here it's back again. Spoke too soon. Oh, there it goes again. It's going away now. It's called one more Seto. And practice your Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. Good question. You, the reason they become that way is because if you do them enough, eventually you see no way you can repeat anything. There's a series of paintings by Robert Motherwell that I really, really like called, uh, I think it's Elegy to the Spanish Republic. Is that it? Anybody, do you know? Huh? Isn't it about the Spanish War? Yeah, but it's a Elegy, well, I don't know, but something in that area. But anyway, there's a line and there's two uh, circles on each side, and different blacks and grays and so on. And it just, uh, it's, every time you look at it, it's the, it's the same as the other ones, and it's totally different than the other one. It's just an amazing thing that he was a, a New York School painter, abstract expressionist sometimes. Any further questions? Very good. Thank you so much. I'd like to remind everybody again about the All Day this, this Saturday and Shoka's ordination on September the 2nd. Sunday afternoons at 2.30. That's a must. And also our donation boxes are still in the hallway and still respond. May you bear this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the